All right, everybody, welcome to episode 123 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with my main man, Drew at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's been a busy week, and uh, I'm in the middle of a, an auction startup right now, and I'm checking to see where all the bids are. <laughs> oh, man, we'll have to talk about that as the episode goes on. But uh, we uh, this is kind of the first week where we didn't have uh, a lot of big news. Uh, only big news blurb I have here is Rojo signing with the Chiefs. And that actually, I think, set off a little firestorm on Twitter because then uh, I think about half of Twitter said that Rojo is going to be the man in uh, Kansas City. And the other half said that uh, Rojo stinks and it's still CEH's show. So, uh, Drew, how do you feel about it? Which side are you on? Are you on the pro CEH side or are you on the, the pro Rojo side? Uh, I think it could be a little bit of both. I don't know that either one runs away with uh, the job and uh, becomes a, an RB1 this year, uh, just based on kind of how they run their offense. But uh, I don't mind Rojo there if you have CEH because uh, hopefully that's enough that they're not going to go out and draft somebody early. Um, and then, you know, Rojo, I think he could have some upside. It all depends on how they do that split. Um, I, I'm fine trying to go after uh, either one of them uh, if I can get them at a value. If CEH is dropping right now, I'm sure I'll take him for depth. Um, you know, it's probably bumps Rojo's value for a lot of us that traded a second for Rojo in the playoffs. Maybe we feel a little better about that now. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I don't think that I think this just means they don't go out and get anybody else uh, early in the draft. So, uh, Toronto Dave here saying Rojo better than Ceh, but like Drew's saying, likely won't be one workhorse. Yeah, I'm. I was actually talking with someone about this who was saying, you know, I don't understand why all of a sudden we think Rojo is going to be great, and my thing is is that as I think we can all agree on Rojo is not going to be there to be the pass catching back. So he's probably going to be the, the first and second down guy, goal line guy. And then, you know, the argument was made to me, well, then that means there's going to be an increase in uh, targets to CEH. And they just, haven't done that with CEH in his first two years. Like he hasn't been the the back that they throw the ball to. So can things change? Yes, there's always a possibility that things can change. But especially when we're dealing with a tenured coach like Andy Reid, we kind of know what the game plan is going to be. The game plan is never is never been to have CEH out there getting a ton of targets. So like am I now supposed to think that he just gets 80, 90 targets because Rojo's there? I mean, I don't know. And as we've seen with Kansas City, um, they they always have a, a, a deep stable of running backs that will get used throughout the season. Uh, you, you get your Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon's, your uh, Daryl Williams, your Damian Williams at, at points. You know, we've seen a bunch of 
lower level guys also get mixed in there. So Niles um, Davis back in the day. Yeah, nah, oh geez, now nah, they're bringing it back old school there. Um, so I think, I mean, if you told me gun to my head, I had to acquire one of these two Kansas City running backs, I'm probably going to acquire Rojo. But, you know, I just, I almost think this is kind of like the, the death knell for CEH because. If we were going to do this, we were going to, you know, if we were going to make CEH a thing and, um, we, you know, we just would have done it. We would have made CEH the, the guy that catches all the passes. And I don't know, like just thinking through it, I, I don't like what this means for CEH. So if I had to get one, give me Rojo. What are you, uh, what are you offering for either in a, a typical 12 team super flex? Um, good question. I think I'm looking, uh, I would definitely throw out some mid seconds for CEH at this point. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it would probably take a, you know, a mid to late second to get Rojo still. Uh, you're not paying the playoff premium now, but now there's that idea that he's a part of a, a good Kansas city offense. So therefore his value must go up, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, for CEH, I mean, if, if gun to my head, you're you're forcing me to to acquire CEH, I'd probably give up a late second. That'd probably be my my tops. Um, Rojo, I'm with you. Uh, probably mid second, um, if I could get away with it. I'm sure now anyone that owns Rojo has uh, is going to tell you that he's on the Kansas City Chiefs and he was the he was the uh the leading back for the Bucks in 19 in uh 2019 and 2020. You know, they're gonna give you the whole song and dance and you know so I, I don't know if a mid second does it, but I'm also not giving up like 201 for Rojo. No. Like no. because as much as I said I think CEH is dead and gone, Andy Reid flips the script and then all of a sudden Rojo is that, or excuse me, CEH is that guy while Rojo is kind of playing complimentary back, kind of what he did with um, Leonard Fournette. So, um, yeah, I like him. I like Rojo more, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to break the bank to get him either. That's Mm going to be a very interesting uh, backfield to monitor. But you know what? We had a question about this. So why don't we, we'll dive a little bit deeper into it. We'll really, uh, really parse this out here uh this first one here is from thomas o'brien at thomas o five four four seven three five one six um come on with the numbers we don't need your social at the end uh what would you pay for ronald jones now that he's in kansas city and gives us some week specifics so we can kind of narrow this down 12 team super flex ppr so he's got some choices here, uh, early second plus, mid-second, late second, third, or less. Would you, would you in, in a desperate situation, because I think the, the early second plus is interesting. Yeah. Is, is there a scenario, especially in a 12-team league, is there a scenario where you go, yeah, like, 
Uh, maybe my starters are. I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you got Eli Mitchell last year, and he he blew up for you, but you're not sure what this year brings with the 49ers and maybe your RB two, or, you know, let's say Josh Jacobs is your RB one and Eli Mitchell is your RB two. And then after that is kind of like hopes and prayers and has beens and never was is, um, are you looking at that high second and, you know, maybe a 2023 third to try to get Rojo? Like, is there a situation, is there a desperate situation where you can imagine doing something like that? Uh, I've got to take a look at one of my rosters here. I think it's one we're in. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm in this one with Bill Superflex Army. Uh, we're pretty deep at wide receiver, but our, our running backs, let's see here. We've got Peyton Barber, Matt Breida, Rex Burkhead, Alex Collins, Kenyon Drake, Gus Edwards, Chuba Hubbard, Kareem Hunt, Carlos Hyde. I, I consider adding Ronald Jones, uh, knowing that my wide receivers are pretty set, knowing how deep this this class is at wide receiver. Maybe I take some early points, hopefully from Rojo, uh, and not wait on a young wide receiver to to pop later on. But uh, it'd be pretty, it'd have to be a pretty specific set of conditions to to throw an early second, especially if it's like 201, 202. Um, but I mean, never say never, right? There's always going to be somebody in some league with the right settings or the right scenario that says they do it. I mean, that's 10% of the poll right here. Um, but yeah, I don't think in too many of my leagues that I'm in, I'm looking for that. If I'm in a rebuild, I'm not looking at Rojo. I'm definitely taking the dart throws and I'm trying to, you know, keep points off my, off my roster where I can. So um, you got to be somebody that's contending and that maybe has gone all in at other positions and is just trying to piece together. And again, Rojo is, you know, he's an injury or a mistake or something like that away from, CEH getting only 20% of the touches and then him having 70% of them. So, uh, you know, he's the type of guy that, you know, could pay off or give you maybe a nice three, four game stretch if you need it. Yeah. I mean, you definitely, uh, you read a, a murderer's row of uh, running backs on that team. So I could see how, uh, Rojo could possibly, uh, be someone that you'd be willing to give a higher pick for just because there was a lot of uh, a lot of nothing at the running back position there. But yeah, this this team finished second last year. Actually lost to Bill in the championship. So um, I can I can see that cuz Rex Burkhead was hot for a little bit and Kareem Hunt was hot for a little bit and you probably got a couple of good games out of Chuba. So yeah. um yeah, my my thing is is that as, as much as I think Rojo could be the number one on a on a good offense, they're the number one running back on a good offense. I just think if you are on the clock with a 201-202, let's face it, you know, we're all going to have guys that we think should be first round rookie picks that slide into the second. And somebody's going to want to trade up for him. You know, last year it was, uh, you yeah, have Rashad Bateman falling a lot of times that uh, someone like me, I personally thought should have been a first-round rookie pick. Uh, some people were really on Rondell Moore going into it last year and thought that maybe he should have been a very late first-round pick and he slides into the second. And it's going to happen this year. As much as I hear a lot of people say, hey, I don't like this, 
draft after 106 or 107 or 108. Uh, let's face it, if um, someone like George Pickens gets a, a desirable landing spot, he's probably going to be someone at 201, 202 that's hanging around that some people are going to say, hey, I, I think that guy should have been a first-round rookie pick. And then you go, oh, okay, you you want George Pickens or Sky Moore. You want one of these guys? All right, cool. Who's, you know, a – a second level running back. I don't want to say a, lo- a lower level running back, but a second level running back that, you know, maybe isn't um, burning up the headlines right now, but is a guy, Chase Edmonds is a guy that's coming to mind for some reason, popping into my head. Right now, sure. I think a lot of people are very, you know, still excited about him because he's going to be the number one in Miami. Miami has been loading up the entire offseason. But by the time draft comes, we're going to get all hype about these these prospects, where they're going. Somebody's probably going to end up in Kansas City that we're going to like. And Chase Edmonds is going to be a thing of the past. He's going to be old news. And I think, you know, there are guys like that on that level that if you need someone. And I, I think, and you could tell me if I'm wrong here, I think I like Chase Edmonds more in his situation going into 2022 and possibly beyond than Rojo. I mean, Rojo's on a one-year contract, so next year he could be, you know, the starting running back or or backup running back in Jacksonville. And then we're like, oh, God, Rojo in Jacksonville, that's gross. Um, we know Chase Edmonds is probably going to be in Miami for at least, you know, two years as the starting running back. So um, – what do you think about that? And do you think there are some other guys that maybe you would rather trade the the two hundred one or the two hundred two four uh, when you're on the clock um, in drafts? Yeah, I I agree. I'd rather have Chase Edmonds. Um, he's got an elite quarterback. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, no I, I like his situation. I mean, he's got it's crowded backfield there as well. Uh, but I mean, he showed that he, when he's given. Uh, a decent amount of touches he can produce with them. You know, he's a uh, multi-use back. So yeah, I, I'd rather have him, uh, I think, than uh, Rojo at this point. I, I think the main thing Rojo's got going for him is that he's he's got the right uniform on. It's kind of the same thing we did with CEH when he got drafted. We uh, we turned him into a, a running back god because um, he put a Chiefs jersey on, and we've we've seen how that's gone. So we can't you can't automatically crown Rojo just because uh, he is uh, he's wearing a red jersey of the Kansas City Chiefs. So there you go. Who would have thought that uh, at the end of March we would be spending a whole 15 minutes talking about Rojo? <laughs> man, man, the NFL is a uh, is a powerful, powerful thing there. Um, let's go to this next one here by. Uh, Cody at Cody Snow 25. Uh, Brees Hall has the ability to take, to overtake, excuse me, JT as the dynasty running back one. So that, that is an interesting, uh, an interesting statement. Uh, Drew, I want you to start this one off because I want to see where you're at with Brees Hall, I know we spoke about this last year. 
or last year, excuse me, whew, last week, uh, we brought up, you know, kind of 101, 102, Brees Hall, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Brees Hall. But how much do you love Brees Hall? I know you've been trying to get that like 101, 102 stack if you can. Um, can Brees Hall overtake JT as the dynasty RB1? Uh, that's a tall order. Uh, you've got a couple of other guys that are in line that would like to have something to say about that as well. Uh, I know we're a pro Javante show, uh, so I think he'd like to have something to say about that, depending on uh, what happens this year. So, I sure, anything is possible. Um, I don't think you're going to get any kind of value like that at this point or anywhere close. Uh, I don't think if you've got, you know, maybe you're in a Debbie league or you've got the 101 that represents Brees Hall for your league, I don't think you're going to uh, get for him or that pick what you would get for JT or even close at this point. Um, I've heard a few people say that some of his athletic profile uh, is in that JT range. Um, Jonathan Taylor is just a different, a different build, a different animal. Um, he is, he is really, uh, you know, for whatever time he's got left at the RB one position. I mean, it's, it's fickle. It's fast. We saw it with CMC just falling off and you know, there's a wide range now of opinions on, on McCaffrey and what his value is, but for this season and, you know, possibly even the next season, JT is going to be vying for that top spot and probably in his own tier for a bit. So uh, if you are in a position where you can get any kind of return for Brees Hall or the one one like you would get for JT, go for it. Uh, I would cash in on that immediately. Um, I think he'll be very good. I think he's getting ranked in a lot of places like he's a top six to eight running back at this point, um, which is pretty wild, not knowing where he's going to be playing and, uh, you know, what he can do with NFL level talent. But uh, I'm very excited for him. Yes, I, I would love to take him and Willis one, two this year in any, especially on any rebuilds um, that I can get, or if I happen to have traded uh, in a savvy manner to get the 101 in any other leagues. But yeah, I don't see it personally that he's going to really threaten JT for the RB1 in Dynasty anytime soon. Yeah, so Cody, I think this was a very interestingly worded tweet, um, has the ability. I mean, I guess technically yes he has the ability but i mean jt is just he's that dude and they they use they they started using him over the second half of the season as that dude first half of the season was kind of like why aren't they using jt more this doesn't make any sense blah 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 but now they like they hit the second half and they said, oh, man, maybe this guy, Jonathan Taylor, might be uh, a good idea to use him. And then they're like, oh, yeah, look at all the stuff he can do. Um, I don't I don't think he will. I don't think Brees Hall will. I think Brees Hall is very, very good. He should be the RB one. And I know I've you know, listen to different podcasts and seen different debates on Twitter about whether even that's a factual statement. Should Brees Hall be the RB one in this class? 
never mind, should he be the, the RB1 overall? Uh, but I do think he should be the RB1 in this class based on what I've seen, people I've talked to, and people that I've listened to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, probably, you know, depend, depending on where he lands, because I know we, we always say that, you know, we can't uh, – we shouldn't rely so much on landing spot. And I think that's true with wide receivers, but I, I do think it holds a little bit more weight with running backs. I think landing spots, you know, they should be held in a little bit more uh, esteem when we talk about running backs more, more so than wide receivers. But, you know, if he lands in, I don't know, let, let's say with the first pick in the second round, the Jags take him. Okay, now we're talking. Now we're like, wait a minute. Now it's Brees Hall and it's Travis Etienne, and maybe James Robinson comes back at some point in during the season. And we're like, uh, what do we do with this guy here? This isn't good. I don't think Jacksonville would do that, but you know, they did take Travis Etienne in the first last year. So anything's possible. They still have the same general manager, even though they have uh, they have a different uh, coaching staff in there. So, you know, and I'm sure uh, when Outhouse listens to this, he'll yell at me because uh, I will still remember uh, a couple years ago when I said, well, what if DeAndre Swift goes to Detroit with Carrion Johnson? Remember him? Remember Carrion Johnson? Remember when he was a thing? And uh Outhouse said, don't do that. You know, that, that you know, it, it's bad vibes. You know, carry on is, you know, can be a thing. But now if DeAndre is there, well, carry on never became a thing. But, you know, we do see teams do this all the time. It's like, hey, we got a decent running back, but we could possibly upgrade. Here's a second round pick. You know, what if Miami does it? We just talked about Chase Edmonds. What if Miami goes? Brace Hall can be pretty good. You know, we, we've loaded up two with weapons. We gave him Waddle. We gave him Tyreek Hill. We uh, got Mike Gusecki on the franchise tag. We signed a Pro Bowl left tackle in Teron Armstead. Chase Edmonds is a good player, but we could get Brees Hall and really kind of turbocharge. Maybe have Chase Edmonds as that running back that uh, – that plays uh, out wide every once in a while and really kind of spread defenses out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, though, we're like, hey, Brees Hall's really good, but they just pay Chase Edmonds. He's going to get his. He's going to get, you know, they're not going to pay him to sit on the bench every week. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Obviously, there's also some really good landing spots, like if – uh Atlanta decides to take him in the second, we'd be like, oh, okay, great. That team has uh, no talent, no offensive talent besides Kyle Pitts. Um, Brees Hall is going to get a a ton of love. <laughs> so uh, it could go either way there. Yeah. But um, I want to backtrack on something you said and just kind of branch this out a little bit. So you uh, you mentioned the uh, the three – most dangerous initials in uh in fantasy football right now cmc what are your thoughts on him like what drew it drew is in a startup 
It's not an auction, even though we are going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> not an auction, regular old snake yep. draft. What does Drew say? Okay, now now is the time that I can I can get myself some CMC. When when does that happen for Drew? Man, that is tough. Um, it depends on, I guess, how the, the first couple of rounds go. So definitely not in the first or second. I'm not doing them in, in a top 25 picks or anything like that. Um, you know, for me, it would probably have to be somewhere around the fourth round, late third, early fourth, depending on where I'm picking. So, you know, maybe a top 40 to 50 pick if he's just sitting there. Or, you know, again, if my team is just building out where I really want to try to make a push now, maybe uh, I've gone a couple of elite quarterbacks and a top end tight end or wide receiver for my first three picks. And then, you know, if he's sitting there and I, I feel like I can really do something, then, you know, that's, that's solid value for his points per game and for however many games I hope to get out of him. But uh, I, I am not uh, interested in the first 36 picks. Yeah. Um, I Listen, I, I've, I've been in these Twitter arguments uh, in these streets, in these Twitter streets. CMC is just, is a dude that for like three to five games, he, he is going to make your team the most powerful thing in your league. And then that drop-off is going to happen. He's going to fall off. And then he's going to get injured. And then it's like, oh, my God, what do I do with CMC? And, you know, I hear you people because there's people yelling right now, you know, you can't predict injuries. You're absolutely right. But I can predict that a guy who was pretty much run and thrown to until the wheels fell off for, like, the first three to four years of his career, all those touches add up. And actually, I think there was a study done, and I will not be able to tell you who by, that said that, you know, it's actually more about the amount of touches you get as opposed to your age as a running back. Now, obviously, age will catch up to everybody. But, you know, it's more about how much you're used. And, and we're kind of seeing it to a lesser extent with Zeke Elliott, too. Dallas is ran him, you know, 300, 350, 400 times a season. And now we're starting, you know, we're starting to see, like, you know, the nagging injuries are starting to pop up. And, you know, he doesn't have that uh, explosion that he used to have. And, you know, he we're seeing a lot more two-yard runs and a lot less 20-yard runs, you know. And I think that's more because of, you know, yeah, you, you know, you use a guy, you know, and they used him from, from the start. I mean, I think his first season, he was over 300 touches, you know, and then it just increased from there. You know, a lot of people say, you know, Derrick Henry is built different, but we also have to remember Derrick Henry, his first few years in the league wasn't being used. I mean, they had DeMarco Murray there and he was the big free agent signing that got the big money. And the first like two to three years of Derrick Henry's career, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm kind of going off the top of my head with this, um, wasn't used very much. And then 
once the Marco was out of there, then they were like, all right, Derrick Henry, it's your show. And they ran him till the wheels fell off for about four seasons. <laughs> you know, I don't even think it was 300. I think it just jumped to 350, 400, 450. And then it was like, we, we saw the injury last year. Yeah. Now we'll see if he's built different and it was just a one-off and he comes back and he runs it for, 375 400 touches again and he's you know he's the dude he's always been or is it kind of like what we're seeing with cmc now oh yeah here comes here comes a hamstring injury here comes a knee injury here and and the breakdown begins so yeah yeah, i'm really like i think you're even higher on him than me because i couldn't imagine a scenario where i take him in the third round and I probably can't imagine a scenario where I take him in the fourth round. So I wanted to see if we were going to be on different sides of this or not, but it sounds like we're pretty much on the same side of, uh, listen, I mean, and listen, if he plays 15 games this season and he's, you know, CMC for all 15 of those games or all 14 of those games, somebody, somebody the guy who picked them up is going to win his league probably. But if he does what he's been doing, that guy is going to have, you know, three to five weeks of excellence. And then it's like, all right, hopefully you, you drafted well throughout <laughs> and you have uh, you have a stable that you can run in there and rotate. So yeah. cool. I, I just wanted to see if uh, if we would uh, agree or disagree on the great uh, the great Christian McCaffrey. So uh, here's this next one from uh, from J Money at J Money Jarrett, uh, friend of the show. This is a 12 team superflex. Jonathan Taylor or the 103 and two 23 first. This is interesting because this kind of parallels with what we were talking about a little bit with uh, the Brees Hall JT conversation from earlier. Except, unfortunately, at 103, I don't think you have a. Sh- I don't think you have many shots of getting Brees Hall. I don't think there's going to be mm-hmm. too many leagues where even Superflex, you know, Malik Willis might go 101, but you know, Brees Hall is going to be 102. You know, we'll see leagues that where he drops to 103, but I don't think it's going to be uh, very often. So, what do you think about this, Drew? Uh, are you on the JT side, or are you taking? The 103 and 223 first. That is that's tough. Um I I sided with the majority here and I took the picks. I, I do like having a, a couple of extra, or maybe if these are your only two 23 first, it you know, it's so hard to predict where they're gonna be. So even if these are mid to late 23 first, um, it feels like that value is pretty insulated for now. Um, and those maybe one of those could get you. Uh, what you need to put you over the edge this year if you're a contender. If you're contending, it's tough to move JT at all. I mean, he is a guy that just like McCaffrey can win you any given week. Um, yeah, he's special. So it would take an offer like this, though. It, you know, If I have JT in a league, it would take an offer like this to move him. Um, I, would, I would love to get into a, a top two pick like we were talking earlier, but you know, that, if that's not in the cards here, the 103, I'm fine with that. And you know what? I can take that 103. And I'll add something to it to move up to the 102 mm-hmm. and have a shot at Willis or Hall. 
So um, I, I think I'm pretty squarely there. Again, I, I am just fine if you tell me I love JT so much, I still need more. So I agree with all the stuff you said. Here is my but. But where do we predict, and I put that in air quotes, where these 23 firsts are going to be. And I know it's hard. It's two years out. Anything can happen. You know, teams' fortunes can change. But if we're looking at these two firsts and we're kind of trying to predict a range where these picks are going to be, is this like, are these picks for like two guys that I think are going to be, you know, battling for the championship? Because as much as I, as much as 23 picks, I know they're worth their weight, weight in gold. But if you're talking to me that these 23 picks are going to be like 110 and 112, uh, I don't know if that's enough for me to, to give up JT. Now, if you're telling me that the same guy who's giving you the 103, and assuming that's his legitimate pick, he didn't trade for that pick, is also giving up a 23 first. All right, now we can start talking. Now we got the the third first, which, you know, at that point that it matters a little less where that might end up, it's still first. Um, so that's my caveat because obviously like JT is the dynasty RB1 and barring an injury, I don't think there's anyone on the horizon that can really challenge him besides maybe Javante, but we got to see what this, um, what this new offense looks like, you know, like new head coach, new Russ at quarterback. Like, do they turn into like the high flying air raid, you know, Kansas city chiefs or, you know, are they still going to keep a little bit of that uh, Vic Fangio? Forgot his name for a minute. Vic Fangio, ground and pound, but we're going to pass it a little bit more. We don't quite know yet. I think it's going to lean more towards the former where they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more. But, you know, we got to wait and see. So, um, but yeah, like besides that, like Javante and I just, you know, I threw a whole bunch of ands, if, and butts on Javante. So, you know what I mean? And that, that's the, the guy I think can compete with him for RB1. So, um, I need that, like, blow. And I don't like trading a stud for Jess picks. Like, I, I want a guy that I know has done something that has been productive, you know, because let's face it. As much as we're going to talk about rookies and where they should go, what they're good at, what they're not good at, we've gotten this thing wrong so many times. You know, Corey Davis, you know, was a 101. You know, Nikhil Harry was a 101. You know, Bishop Sankey, yeah, CH was (laughs) – I mean, a top five startup pick, you know, that was being thrown around there, you know. Yeah. So as much as we we say we know, you know, we've watched tape, we've listened to people, we've analyzed, we've done this and that. 
man, we we make those mistakes, you know. Guess what? Jalen Rager was a first round rookie pick, people. Like, like look where we are. And it's not just, you know, mid to end of the first round we get wrong. We get those high picks wrong too. So um, that's why I like getting a player thrown in there. But uh great question, Jay Money. Appreciate you. We actually got one here from from friend of the show, recovering Ridley yeah. Truth. There we got throw that in there. He's still recovering. Yeah. Drew's going to cheers it up with you. This is a 12-team Superflex PPR 1.75 tight end premium. Gallup and a 23 first, probably at best mid right now. Or hot, start 11, but six flex spots. So this is, a, this is an interesting one. Um, so... Wow, that that's uh that's tough because I like Gallup, but I don't know if he is going to be able to start the year coming off the ACL. So if you're missing him for a month, he's not helping you score any points, um, which is only making that uh that twenty three first better unless um unless that's not your own pick that you're packaging with Gallup, um. Or Hawk. I mean, the Lions are so interesting. Like, they got Jared Goff right now. He's he is For the, he is the quarterback as yeah. of as of March thirtieth at nine forty. Jared Goff is the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and Jared Goff is a fine quarterback. He is okay. He is acceptable at quarterback. But a lot of the, the NFL draft buzz now is that Malik Willis at two could be a real thing. This isn't height. This isn't smokescreen. This could really happen. And then we go, okay, if it does happen, how long is Jared Goff the starting quarterback of the Detroit Lions? Because obviously, like, Detroit, they know what they're doing. They are just... They're building this thing. They understood that they started with not a lot and they need pieces. And I don't see them rushing Malik Willis in. But let's face it, we're talking about by Thanksgiving at the latest. Detroit has been officially eliminated from the playoffs. And then we get what, five weeks of Malik Willis? And then what does that mean for Hawk? Like, we don't know. We, I mean, I, I'm not telling you what's going to happen. I honestly don't know what that means for Hawk. So um, I'm probably going to stick with Gallery first, even though I pretty much badmouthed everything in this trade except for the 23 first. Um, well, in your last statement, you you shared you know that that late twenty three first is also questionable, right? So, you know, but I I think you know right now the twenty three first has the highest potential of 
having the biggest increase in value out of all of these pieces. Now, who knows? Like maybe Gallup does miss the first month, but then he just settles in as the uh, as the wide receiver two in Dallas. Even though I honestly think that uh, Dallas uses their first round pick on a uh, on a wide receiver. But um, if I'm wrong, then he settles into that wide receiver two spot. And if he balls out, then obviously Michael Gallup is going to have the biggest increase in value. But uh, right now, I think the 23 first is the most valuable piece, and that's the side I would go with. What do you th- What are you thinking about this one, Drew? Yeah, I think if you're questioning whether you're competing or not, I'm fine taking the Gallup and the 23 first. Uh, if Gallup comes back and you know he starts to look good, you can easily trade him, get the points off your your roster. Um, if you're competing and you want to go and make a run at it, I'll, I'll take the the premium from week one even if it lasts for eight weeks and then it's a question mark after that. Uh, Ridley Truther did share he's pretty deep at tight end because of the premium with Goddard, Schultz, Kmet, and then uh, Evan Ingram still. Uh, I think consensus is after you get past uh, tight end five or so, which probably is where Hawk lands, uh, then all the other guys are pretty much the same. So then it's, uh, do I just start all of them and hope one of them spikes this week? Um so I, I don't mind having like a, a Goddard uh, and Hawk duo at tight end, knowing you have a bunch of flex spots here. Uh, if you have the rest of your roster filled out pretty decently, but I, I agree. I think um, originally my gut said Hawkinson because I just like the guy and I think he'll be good for a long time at that position. But uh, I think you're right that the first has a, a significant upside to it, depending on how things work out, and then. Uh, kind of alluding to what we were talking about earlier i i typically when we're this far out on those first i will pencil that in as like a 108 110 not necessarily the worst case possible uh, but i'm not putting it in the top half so that's where i typically value them unless there's something clear like you said where i can look at the pieces here and unless this guy or this scale makes you know magic happen in the next six months they're they're going to be locked into that top half of the draft next year but I'll, i'll typically pencil them in kind of uh, the the back third or so of the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I think in general I would take the Gallup in, in the first because it gives you two chances to hit um, with a guy who has flash. You know, Gallup has had some really good games. He's been, you know, a catch or two away from some really, really big games, uh, which would then translate into a, a really solid probably wide receiver two season. So I think in general I'll take the pieces. And then starting 11 helps nudge me that direction as well. Uh, so if we're starting nine or something like that, then sure, go for Hawk. But uh, but yeah, I think it, I'm with you here, Josh. I'll I'll lean toward Gallup in the first, uh, based on what we know. I do I do want to challenge you on one thing that you said though. You said he is uh, deep at tight end. He has Goddard, who who I think is a uh, is a stud. I think there's a lot of question marks after that. I mean. Dalton Schultz had the one good season, but like, is this kind of like uh, Robert Tanyan 2.0, where it's like, listen, you know, he had one good season. He didn't have any good seasons before that. And now we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like Dalton Schultz is like, you know, Dallas just franchise tagged them. So we're going to be in the same spot next year, whether they, hit him with a second franchise tag, which would be crazy, or they let him go into free agency. Because I think if they were going to sign him long-term, that's something that would have happened already. 
Um, Cole Komet, I think, has all the upside in the world, but we haven't seen it yet. And um, like we don't know what this offense is going to be. They hired a, a DC as their head coach, and their offensive coordinator was the quarterback's coach in Green Bay. So we don't know what what that offense is going to look like. We have no idea. We're assuming that they're going to play to Justin Fields' strengths, but we, we don't know. So um, that's another one. And then uh, Evan Ingram, please. I don't even say that guy. Trevor that Lawrence, guy, though. Trevor Lawrence. The, yeah, that's fine. That, that guy got paid a lot of money to go get beat out by Dan Arnold. So you know, good for him. He, he's going to get his checks, but he's not better than Dan Arnold. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that does have to be uh, part of it because if he gets Hawk, Hawk and Goddard, that's a nice combo. That's mm-hmm. like, that gives you a distinct advantage over probably most, if not all the teams in your league. Um the 1.75 tight end premium actually I think could work out very well for both of those guys considering uh, Goddard is the second best pass catcher on his team currently and Hawk is the probably the second best pass catcher on his team as well so uh, that could that could really uh, that could really do it um, so let's hit let's hit the next one here um, this is from George Ellen at George Ellen one one one, Javante and a twenty three second, or CD and a twenty three first. I don't know who CD is. Corey Davis. Uh, I think it's CD Lamb. Ah, okay. I'm not used to seeing it CD as in the the just the two letters CD. Scratched my CD. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's a, a sentence I haven't said in forever um all right so that makes a little bit more sense because i'm like Corey davis like who the hell cares about Corey davis <laughs> all right no offense Corey davis he's probably a really nice guy but um for fantasy we don't really care that much about him all right so th- this is a good one here um man i i 23 firsts are so valuable <laughs> and this and the thing about it is is that at the beginning of the 21 season we could just say 23 first and it's like oh yeah oh you know we get excited but now like we're we're going into the 22 draft you know so i know some people i've heard some people say they've already had rookie drafts because they have their rookie drafts before the actual nfl draft but most of us are probably going to be starting like that first week in may right after the nfl draft Uh is over and then it's like, okay, now like we really do have to analyze 23 first. They're not just like 23 picks. Ooh, like we really have to go, okay, like does this have the shot to be a legitimate, like you said earlier, Drew, like a 101 to 105 because we know this team stinks. They stunk for years and they're going to continue to stink because that's what they do. Or, you know, are we looking at the 111, 112? Because 
this person is good. They're consistently good. They're always in the playoffs. They're always in the hunt. You know, now we, you know, we're really going to have to start breaking that down because we're, you know, you know, probably by what beginning of June, most of us have finished up our rookie drafts and on to 2023, you know, onto those prospects. So on its face, just assuming that that first is going to be like 106, 107, 108, I think, oh, God, it's so hard for me, <laughs> because my, my brain is saying CD and the 23 first, but my heart is like, if Javante is like RB2 and CeeDee Lamb does what he's been doing and he just stays like a consistent, like top 15 guy. Yep. Which easy. Which, which by the way, like I know we all, it's so weird. We got on this thing at the beginning of the offseason where like CeeDee Lamb was not good at football, you know, because he wasn't like a top three guy. You know, being top 15 makes you like terrible now, even though somehow we, we, hype up Amon Ross St. Brown, which I don't understand, but that's that's another story for another day. Um, but uh, I think I still have to stick with Javante because if Javante hits that ceiling, if he's that RB2 or if all the ifs and buts that I mentioned earlier happen and he becomes the RB1, CD Lamb in a mid 23 first ain't gonna get it done. It's not going to happen. And I do think, I do think that Javante can be like the RB2, RB3. I think that's a, I think that's actually like a, a good possibility. So um running backs are worth their weight in gold. And I love CD Lamb. I love 23 first, but give me Javante. All right, Drew, go on the other side so that we can we can debate this a little bit. Yeah, I, I voted in it. Twitter seemed to be pretty uh pretty tilted two to one ratio here for C D yeah. in the first versus Javante in the second. Uh, I love Javante. I mean, I, I was trying to get you to trade him to me for the 101 three months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh I, I think like you said, uh Wide receivers just have such a, a a long shelf life, and I think CD is he's a for me. I rank him probably in the top six to seven wide receivers for dynasty. Will he produce like a top six or seven every year? Maybe not, depending on how the talent rotates through and you know different guys. I, I don't think anybody was expecting Debo to land where Debo landed this year, or even Cup to be the wide receiver one, right? But uh, I think he can consistently be you know a top ten wide receiver any given year. Um, I think he's valued at a, a top five or six wide receiver for me. Uh, but like you said, the running backs are just so, so tough to get once you get beyond that top tier and wide receivers. If you're, you know, the the cost to get wide receiver eight to 10 versus the cost to get wide receiver five to seven is not, not huge. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and again, any given week, a wide receiver 10 could, uh, you know, outscore the wide receiver four. So I definitely get the allure to Javante and, you know, who knows where that second would be. Cause if, if we had a crystal ball and we knew that this is going to be CD in the one Oh six versus Javante in the two Oh two, 
you know, that you can get yeah. nitpicky like that, right? Yep. But you've got to treat the picks similarly. So if we're saying a mid first, then it's a mid second. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I, I will take CD, who is tied to Dak, who is in a solid offense, who is going to be producing well, um, who is very, very talented, and I think will push for. And part of the, the letdown, right, was that we all expected CD to be in the top three or four dynasty wide receivers. Um, I, I had him as my wide receiver three after Chase and Jefferson for a long time. Um, and I, I think he can still get there too. I mean, we'll see what happens this year. Now that Cooper's gone, we'll see who they draft. Like you were saying earlier, we'll see what kind of impact Schultz can still make. If he'll still get the targets that he got last year. Um, you know, that Zeke is not going to produce like he will. He's not the threat that he used to be. I like Pollard, but he's no Zeke in his prime. So maybe, maybe Dak is throwing 450, 500 times this year. And CD has a chance for, 160 targets. So, uh, so yeah, I, I like CD in the first year. Uh, it is definitely more of uh, a brain move versus a heart move. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, I think it should be closer than what the poll says, but uh, I, I agreed with uh, the majority here and I'll take CD lamb in, in the first. So to try to get a little meta to try to deep dive into this a little bit, I wonder if this poll is being shifted so much to the CD side because we are just looking at what the Dallas Cowboys are right now. It's CD Lamb. It's Michael Gallup coming off of an ACL. It's James Washington. It's Noah Brown. That's that's pretty much your top four in the wide receiver room for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, which is actually the reason why I think they spend a first to uh, to get a wide receiver. So a lot of mock drafts are having um, Traylon Burks going to Dallas at 24. I, th- I think if that happens and we put this trade back out there, I think we see a lot closer to a 50-50 because – Instead of it being C.D. Lamb, a hurt Michael Gallup, and a bunch of scrubs, we're going to be talking about C.D. Lamb and a guy that at the beginning of the draft process was the number one wide receiver. Things have happened. He's fallen off. His combine wasn't that great. You know, he's now turned into like the wide receiver, like three to five, depending on who you're talking to. So... If Traylon Burks goes to Dallas, I think we're I think that's a different conversation. But if Dallas trades back, let's say um, Detroit doesn't take Malik Willis at two, but they don't want to stick around to thirty-two to see what happens, maybe they like Sam Howell. Maybe they like Desmond Ritter, and that's not a guy they think can make it to 32. And Dallas trades back. Well, if it's like, you know, a Sky Moore maybe at 32 for Dallas instead of, you know, Traylon Burks, I think that even though I I like Sky Moore a lot and I think he's going to be a very good NFL wide receiver, I don't think that is a name that, will would tilt this poll much so i'm just wondering if we're looking Mm -hmm. at it at its face right now and if you know a Traylon burks or even like a chris olave gets drafted at 24 by dallas 
I think that would actually change the poll a lot because now all of a sudden it's not CD Lamb and the you know and the Pips. It's you know oh it's CD Lamb and Traylon Burks. It's CD Lamb and Chris Olave plus Michael Gallup when he comes back. You know, so I think mm-hmm. that changes a lot of things. I don't know if you think that's part of it or if it's just that we hated CD Lamb for a little bit, but now we've made up with him and we're back to where we were. Yeah, I'm also curious, kind of on the in that same vein, how do you think people are valuing Javante right now? Uh, do you think they're valuing him as if Gordon is not coming back, or with the possibility that Gordon could be there next season? It's so funny because at, at, at the beginning of the offseason, before Russ got traded, before all of this, I you know obviously everyone's big um, big thing was you know. Well, they got, you know, Aaron Rodgers offensive coordinator. So now Aaron Rodgers is going to the Broncos. And I always said, well, if they get a big money quarterback, whether it was Aaron Rodgers or it was Deshaun Watson or something like that, a guy that they would have to pay a lot of money to, I just don't see cap-wise how bringing Melvin Gordon back fits. Obviously, you know, everybody in the league at this point is a cap wizard. I mean, if you can explain to me how the, the Buffalo Bills could pay uh, Von Miller $120 million while they're paying Josh Allen, while they're paying Stephon Diggs, bless you for, for explaining that level of math to me because I work with numbers all day and I still don't figure out how, you know, a team like the Packers who was like, they were like $76 million over the cap, you know, within a month became cap compliant and they were cap compliant before the Devonte Adams trade. <laughs> so it's not even like they had to trade Devonte to get cap compliant. They cut a couple of guys, restructured a couple of guys. Oh, okay. You're cap compliant now. And it's like, wait, what? Like, where did this $76 million come from? The Saints did it the year before. You know, they paid uh, Taysom Hill like a $160 million contract that really was no money, but it somehow was, uh, but it got spread out. So, uh, you know, bless cat people because uh, um, I don't understand it. But, you know, I went on a side tangent there, but I just didn't see how it would work into the cap. If they signed a big money quarterback, how bringing back Melvin Gordon was going to happen. They got Russ. Russ is a big money quarterback. You can argue about his talent all day long, but he's a big money quarterback. I don't see how um, Melvin Gordon comes back. Now, no one has given Melvin Gordon a contract, which I find very interesting because there's a few spots that like, like hasn't Atlanta knocked on that door and just said, hey, mm-hmm. you're good. We don't have any players. Uh, you want to come by? <laughs> San Francisco loves to hoard quarterbacks. I'm surprised they haven't knocked on that door. You know, Buffalo, your your team. Why haven't they knocked on that door? Hey, look, I like I like Devin Singletary as much as the next guy, but Melvin Gordon would, poof, he would he would pop in that offense. Um, he would. So you know, the Jets. I mean, they they tried to make the big move and get Tyreek Hill, but. Why don't you pair, you know, on a lower end, you know, a lower, a lower level uh, 
Javante and Melvin Gordon. Why don't you have Melvin Gordon and um, Michael Carter? Ooh, I blanked on his name for a minute too. Yep. And have that one two point. Like there's a lot of spaces where Melvin Gordon can go. So I'm wondering if the league just doesn't like him. Is Melvin Gordon trying to get a contract similar to what he got in Denver? Because I don't think that's a possibility for him. I don't think that he can he can recreate that that contract that he got in Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, and may, maybe the Broncos pick him up for the cheap because nobody has. You know, you know, no one has been able to settle on him with a contract. And he goes, all right, like, I guess I got to take this one year, $5 million contract from the Broncos because I know the system. I guess technically he doesn't know the system because it's a, a brand new system. But I know the team. I know the city. You know, I know the guys there. Like, I'll just stay somewhere where I'm comfortable making a little less money because nobody, uh, nobody else wanted to pay me. So, um, but yeah, I said that in the beginning, I just didn't think getting a big time quarterback would be financially feasible to keeping Melvin Gordon. We'll see if I'm wrong later on, but do you, yeah, do yeah. you think, you think he ends up there or you think he, he ends up somewhere else? I, I think the odds are that he ends up somewhere else. Uh, I mean, there's so many other options. And like you said, so many other places that could be a potential fit. So I, I asked that because I mean, you're talking about, you know, are we evaluating, CD lamb too high because we're seeing his present uh, situation. And I, I think that's where a lot of people are, is they're valuing Javante as if Gordon's already gone. Um, so if that's the case, that, that really kind of, I expect this to be a lot closer than cause uh, or maybe you and I are just a lot higher than a lot of other folks. I guess I've seen uh, Javante kind of slingshot a little bit. I think for a while he was ending up in the top three or four potential uh, dynasty running backs. And now he's kind of slid back and, you know, he and Brees Hall are kind of neck and neck. When you look at a lot of people's ratings, top six or seven or so, um, some people are still throwing CMC in that top five, which is mind-boggling to me. Uh, I don't think CMC is in the top ten or twelve for me at this point. I, I, I could pretty easily rattle off enough uh, guys that I think he'd be, yeah. you know, fifteen to twenty at this point. Um, but you've got some other good guys. I mean, Najee, of course. Yeah, sure, he's old for a second-year running back, but he's still a young man who has little wear and tear on him. Um, you got a couple of other guys that are in there that could definitely be top five, but Javante man is just, uh, you see some of the broken tackles, you see some of the extra effort. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, he fit Fangio's scheme as far as, you know, ball control, depending on the defense. So we'll see what happens this year, but it's not like he sucks at catching out of the backfield either. So he, right. he has that skill set. So I, I just see him having an opportunity to be, I mean, my gosh, when you think about with him and Russ and what, what Russ opens up for the running back, um, they've got some talented guys to receive, uh, you know, whether it's out wide. We'll see what Albert O does or if they draft another tight end. But uh, I, I'm excited to see what Javante can do this year. So, yeah, I just thought this poll would be a lot closer. And I, I, I thought originally when I voted I, I might be in the minority, but uh, I, I was surprised to see that I was in the majority when it all shook out there. I'll uh, I'll follow my heart and be in the uh, be in the minority with with Javante and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, I think the twenty three first also plays a lot into it because we're still sure. kind of a twenty three first. You know, is is still gold. You know, we haven't we're not at the point where we can really figure out where twenty three firsts yeah. are going to land. You know, yeah. and honestly, for as much as we think we know about. Um, 
the class coming out, you know, there's always going to be surprises. Like we yeah. were surprised when Travis Etienne stayed for it for an extra year and didn't come out right away. We were like, Whoa, uh, this is great. You know, we always have those guys that, you know, that stay back, you know, and even a guy this year, like Sam Howell, when, you know, before the college season started, Sam Howell was the uh, premier quarterback um, that was going to be coming into the draft. And then this year happened. And now we're, you know, we're talking about Malik Willis or, or Kenny Pickett, or, you know, I guess some people are still talking about uh, Matt Corral. So, you know, things can change very quickly for as much as we think we know. Um, we don't know. So, all right, that is the end of the show sheet. So uh, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you to everybody in the chat. We had Toronto Dave earlier. We had uh, our, our main man, Recovering Ridley Truther, in here. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everyone else that was in and out. Uh, if you dropped something in here, sorry, I missed you. Um, just remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, Give us a, a, a rate, or excuse me, give us a, a, a subscribe, hit the bell so you know when we go live, because we have a lot of fun doing this thing. If you're listening to us on that podcast, now this is when you can give us the rate and review. Um, if you like randomly fell upon us and you're not subscribing, hey man, hit that subscribe so you can uh, you can hear us every week. We always have a good time. Uh, we have guests on, we do all kinds of stuff. So. Um, yeah, join join up, subscribe, and then uh, you can listen to us every week. And on that note, Drew, we are out of here. Not too late. <laughs>